everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer. I am so excited to introduce not one, but two guests to you guys today. After working in fintech for six years in NYC while burning the candle at both ends, Krista's body nearly shut down due to extreme adrenal fatigue in 2015. In search for a natural cure, she took a deep dive into the holistic health world by traveling to numerous countries. She relocated to Los Angeles, received a degree in transformative coaching, and has now launched Kensho, a platform which will help people everywhere find individualized healing modalities. Kensho was born out of Krista's own frustration navigating the holistic health space to heal the adrenal fatigue that left her hospitalized. She soon met Danny Steiner, a health industry veteran and meditation teacher, and the two bonded over behavioral science and a shared mission to make holistic health more accessible. Kensho debuts at a time when national health is at an all-time low, forcing consumers to explore new healthcare options, making Kensho a timely modern guide to holistic health. I'm so excited for you guys to hear the conversation that I share with Krista and Danny all about what holistic health is, what are some of the areas of brokenness in our health, current healthcare system, as well as some potential solutions to that. And finally, how you can walk away from this episode with building your own health toolbox and having go-to practices that you can count on to keep your cup full. All right, Krista and Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for having us, Megan. Nice to be here. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to dive more into both of your stories and how Ken Show came to be. Um, and I know there's a lot of other exciting topics that, that I'm, I can't wait for our listeners to hear more about. Um, but yeah, I'd love to start with both of you just sharing a little bit about your stories. And I know you each have personal health journeys that led you to, to cross paths and be inspired to create what Ken Show is to begin with. Um, if you want to give us a little bit of background. Sure. So, you know, it, as is the case for many founders, it starts with a problem that you can't seem to solve for yourself. And then perhaps you do, and you want to share that solution. And in my case, I got sick and had adrenal uh, fatigue that turned to failure to Addisonian crisis. And despite spending two years working with a team of skilled uh, conventional physicians, I just wasn't getting better. And at that point, I was taking cortisone injections uh, every month, which is what you'd also take if you were a very large football player who gets hit in the head. Um, but I was a 28-year-old woman, and I was hospitalized and told that the only solution to keep me out of the hospital would be upping the dosage of my prescription, um, so more drugs more often. And that conflicted with everything I knew based on being raised as an, an Oregonian uh, with hippie parents who lived outside the natural or outside the conventional medical system. Um, so I'd sought out solutions and I found them, but it took me years to find them. And I realized that in those years, I could have been well. And I wondered why was it so difficult to help people find what they need, to understand their options, and then to vet whether or not that provider was the right person for them. Um, and so I was sitting on this question and, and trying to figure it out. And then I met Danny. My background's a little bit different. Um, I was lucky enough to be exposed to meditation and a lot of these practices very early on. Um, but what has interested me in holistic health is the struggles that my family have gone through 
Um, many members of my family have autoimmune diseases from Crohn's to ulcerative colitis. And I've found that holistic health remedies, meditation, having a vegan diet, uh, reducing stress overall, can be really, really great at reducing the possibility of autoimmune diseases. And so for me, it's about helping my family and helping others who have these sort of diseases get well when maybe the conventional medicine uh, system has failed them. Mm. Yeah, and I love you know what you both acknowledge that a lot of t- a lot of founders in particular um, end up going f- using their own personal experience and their journey to to create a bigger mission and and have an impact in a way that they wish they had been helped when they were struggling. Um, so it's it's really cool to see what you guys have created from from your own journeys. Um, so can you share a little bit about? Um, you know, obviously you guys cross paths and then, and somewhere along the way, the idea for, for Kensho came to be. So tell people a little bit about what Kensho is and, and what it's used for. We, we did cross paths and the, the idea percolated pretty quickly, um, though we didn't realize it at the time. We went on a long walk. We had been introduced through friends and uh, we had conversations around health and our curiosity and, and both being on the other side of our last uh, company and wondering what was next. And we acknowledged that there were really three core problems in the holistic health space. Uh, It was really hard to know what your options are. When you look at conventional medicine, you can go to a doctor and they'll quickly route you to the correct specialist in a matter of seconds because there is a pathway. It's what they call an ontology. Um, It helps you sort and, and, and figure out what to do. And then we also realized that there was a lack of curation. How did you actually know what provider was good or bad? So you, now you know, okay, potentially you know what your options are. You know what providers are good or bad. But now the question is, what's right for you based on what you're working on in that moment? Um, and we recognize that for most people, that turns into months, if not years, of research to find something that ultimately solves their problem. And we wanted to create a platform that would solve all three. Um, so we've created Kencho, which is a holistic health platform that we think brings ease to an otherwise unfamiliar space and really introduces trust by backing all of our providers with information and in-depth research with the world's largest scientific publishers as partners. Um, and we're really proud to say that today we have thousands of providers across Uh, practices that include everything from acupuncture to Ayurvedic medicine to traditional Chinese medicine to functional medicine, um, board-certified physicians, wellness therapies, uh, and and some things that are emerging in the more esoteric and spiritual space, like energy work and uh, therapists who use astrology as a reflective tool. So I, I love that you guys have such a, a wide array of practitioners on your platform, because when we're talking about this conversation of, of holistic health, um, I think we all know that there's no one size fits all approach and that everyone's body is going to require a unique approach and, and different modalities to address whatever it is they have going on. Um, and so for most of the people listening to this show, they're, they're familiar with conversations already about holistic wellness. Um, 
and and more of this kind of holistic approach to health in general. But for people who are listening who might not have as much familiarity, how would you describe the basic differences between a more traditional Western approach to medicine um, and a holistic approach like the practitioners on your platform offer? Yeah, for us, it's really very simple. Um, holistic, just meaning whole, looking at the whole person, and ultimately getting to the root cause of a problem. Whereas conventional medicine, it can do that. Uh, we're not saying that all conventional medicine is bad, far from it. But most conventional medicine is looking to solve an acute problem, a symptom, and we're looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love to look at it in that way as well, because it's like the analogy that I use is that in, in Western medicine, oftentimes, you know, if you have a headache, you'll take um, an ibuprofen. But in holistic medicine, we ask, you know, why is that headache there in the first place? And, and what's the root cause? And how can you address and, and prevent it from happening again, rather than just putting a bandaid on the symptom? Exactly. So kind of diving into a little bit more about the current state of affairs, obviously, you know, we have to address what's what's going on in the world right now with this um, this sort of crisis and, and epidemic around the coronavirus. Um, I would love to just kind of dig in and hear your personal thoughts on, on what's kind of the state of affairs, what's going on here, how people can be proactive about their immune health. Um, and yeah, just, just your thoughts on what, what kind of got us here in the first place and how Western medicine is approaching this issue. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a really interesting moment for us. Um, and I think it's a good, a good moment to reflect on our healthcare system on the whole, uh, looking at our, our health in a more uh, systemic way and looking at our, our health and our familiar, familial ties um, more granularly. Um, for us here in, in LA, we're still going about as business as usual, really, um, but observing how countries around the world are, are adapting to the, the changing course of this virus. I think for, for me, it's really looking at how our healthcare system is not set up to handle something like this. Um, that in the United States, we have 300,000 extra beds um, for the 400 million people that we have in this country um, that we haven't begun testing yet. So I think it's a, it's a real good opportunity to look at our healthcare system on the whole. And I think for me, it's acknowledging that health is a collective issue. Um, you know, a virus is something that starts with one person or a handful of people and spreads. And health is really, you know, there are quite a, there are certainly many issues that are universal, but the singular thread that connects those is health. It's how healthy is the person, um, you know, whether it's physical well-being, spiritual well-being, mental well-being, financial well-being, those are measures of health. And in this case, uh, the young here in, in our country, if you're young and healthy, the worst symptom you'll have is likely a, a rough flu. Uh, if you're older, it becomes a risk. And so for Danny and I, of course, we're thinking about our parents. I imagine folks on this podcast are thinking about their parents and their grandparents. Um, but the best things you can do if you're not healthy, or, or rather to, to stay healthy, is reduce your stress. Meditate. Like, that's a great, great move. Keep your stress low. 
um, that when it goes up, it increases your risk of infection. Drink a lot of liquid and get enough rest. And, and you know, do other things that you should be doing anyway. Wash your hands a lot, right? Like travel less, um, engage in smaller groups, have more quiet time. These are a lot of things that I would, I would say any functional medicine doctor, any yoga teacher would advise all of their clients to do no matter the situation. Yeah. God, I love that, that you guys called that out because it, to your point, like if you are young and healthy right now, you are probably going to be just fine and, and probably remain unaffected by the coronavirus directly. But this is such a great moment and opportunity to check your practices and check your lifestyle habits and see what things have you maybe not been doing, you know, all along that, that you should be doing in general for overall health, like you said, washing your hands, being more mindful, taking more time for yourself and, and really protecting your, your mental health, your immune health, your physical health, all of it. Um, and that in turn will then, you know, support the health of those around you. If, you know, the fewer of us who are, who are picking up the virus, the fewer of us there are who are spreading it. Absolutely. So that is the perfect segue. That leads me to something that we were talking about last time we met, which is a conversation that I would love to dig into a little bit more because it really just encapsulates my personal philosophy so much. And, and I think it's something that can never be reiterated too much. And that's this idea of, of building out your toolbox and having your go-to practices that you can count on when life gets really full or when there are challenges, when you are stressed. Um, so, you know, I know that's something you both shared that you, you do personally and you believe in um, within your business as well. So what are some of the practices in each of your toolboxes? Yeah, I think at a, at a higher level, you, you hit on such an important point that there are so many different paths to a healthier life, um, either to get back to an equilibrium or to optimize. And at Kensho, we're just introducing different tools that people can use. And they might use a certain tool one day and another tool the next day. And the more tools they have in their toolkit, the more ability they'll have to, to adapt to changing situations. Grass. We're both, <clears throat> excuse me, we are both uh, meditators. Danny's practice has certainly lasted much longer than mine. He's going on 20 years now. Wow. Uh, which means Danny's old. <laughs> Not that old, I started young. <laughs> but meditation keeps you young, so it's fine. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's actually right. Wow. Both meditators, both uh, plant-based diets, I think. We're, that's not a choice out of ego, but one around inflammatory risk and, and just the way that you feel. Um, both really big believers in moving our bodies and, and functional movement, whether it's through yoga or um, you know high intensity interval training, if you're feeling like go, really going for it. Um, I'm more of a, a long sort of, uh, what would you call that? slow burn cardiovascular person with bike rides and running and hiking. Um, but for us, it's really just, what are you thinking? What are you consuming? And how are you moving your body? Those three things I think are pretty consistent. And then we've, I know I've dabbled in, um, with different injuries or illnesses with everything from working with functional medicine physicians. Breathwork has been the most 
transformative practice that I've adopted in this past year regularly. Yeah, we love, we love breath work. Really into breath work. Is there a particular kind that you guys like to practice? Holotropic. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit uh, what that is for, for people who might not know? Sure. It's a three-part breath that was developed by Stanislav Grof in the 1970s in response to criminalization of psychedelic research. And Stan Groff was creating a system that might give people a psychedelic and transformative experience without drugs. And this three-part breath, which is all of the mouth, it's super simple. And it allows you to drop into your body unlike almost anything else and move through things and really experience some wonderful, wonderful, profound moments uh, in a very short period of time without really any introduction to it. Yeah, I, in my experience as well, it's been one of the most powerful forms of breath work. Um, when, when you guys practice it, do you get the uh, like kind of uh, cramping in your hands or like your hands <laughs> make shapes? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like your, your fingers all come together. Yeah. Like in a more like a, almost like a dinosaur, like t-rex sort of <laughs> it's such a bizarre sensation and nobody prepared that me for that the, before the first time i practiced holotropic breath work so i was like what is happening totally like oh. am i dying is this the end <laughs> yeah this is it for me <laughs> wow yeah we've had some really amazing moments with breath work i i well we went to go there on this podcast i actually had a full body orgasm uh in wow. front of uh, a strong 500 people at a, founder, oh at a founder conference. So imagine being in front of 500 people you don't know, but who are also founders of companies. Uh, and you, you know, my body just went there. Oh it was the most in body, out of body experience I've ever had. And keep in mind, this is just an active meditation technique that induces a theta state in your brain, which means it induces really like a, a REM sleep pattern and then forces energy through your body. And apparently that was what my body needed to do. <laughs> how, long, how long had you been like practicing the breath work for before that happened? Like, was it like a 10 minute, a 20 minute session? Like, how quickly did that happen? <laughs> because I've practiced with this practitioner a few times, quite a few times since, I think it was 30 minutes, it's typically 30. It may have okay. been 35, but I, I'm fairly certain it was 30. And I've never experienced that before, but you know, uh, he's become a dear friend of both Danny and I's and, and that does happen. Um, people have crying fits. People can get to a state where they actually feel like they're going to throw up. People can throw up. Yeah. Um, but it's just moving whatever is stuck inside of you. So I guess that was stuck inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad side effect. I mean, maybe in front of 500 people, but. <laughs> oh, I mean, if that's the side effect of breathing, I think more people would do it. Better. More people would learn to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were asking what she was taking. They were like, right? what was that? You are glowing. I'm like, like well, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, those are all, I mean, such, such great practices and something that you alluded to as well is this idea that, you know, life is cyclical and has its seasons and, and sometimes you won't be able to stay on your routine or follow all of your favorite practices. So, you know, would your advice just be like, have as many tools in your toolkit as possible so that you've got other things to turn to during those, those times or, or how would you recommend navigating those times where you aren't full? able to be kind of fully in your ideal routine? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly recommend that. Um, I think it's important to have, you know, your one or two that are foundational. Um, I think consistency is really, really important with a lot of these practices. And ultimately, being gentle and patient with yourself that you're going to mess up, you're going to forget to meditate one day, or maybe it's a week, or whatever, or maybe it's a month, um, to not judge yourself and come back with a really gentle nature and just move forward with, with ease and with, with hope for how you're going to show up tomorrow. I love that. Um, Krista, you mentioned something before that I actually want to dig into a little bit more because I think it's a really interesting point and definitely worth expanding on. Um, you know, when you shared that you're both plant-based eaters, you said that it's, it's not from a position of ego. And I think that's, it's such a great call out. And it was just such a, a a quick moment that I, I want to unpack that a little bit more because I think there are so many conversations right now about the various different benefits of a plant-based diet and you know those benefits can range from benefiting the planet to benefiting your body to um, you know continue to, to fill in the blank but I think that the conversation can be ostracizing sometimes and, and confronting for people who um, think that they're being like shamed for their food choices. Um, so I, yeah, I was hoping you got, you might be able to, to just expand on that a little bit more and, and what you meant by it not being from a place of ego. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly on the West coast, uh, the choice of sort of that, that tone of I'm vegan. Right. Um, it, it is just exhausting because it is an energy behind a choice. It's not the choice itself. It's this self preciousness of, choosing something that's holier than thou. Mm -hmm. For me, um, you know, it was a more recent choice to really go for it. But I know Danny sees me almost every day. And when I, the move to plant-based for me, I look and feel and behave like a different person. Um, I'm even keeled. My emotions are steady. My body is not inflamed. My skin is happy. My stomach has no issues. I have tons of energy. I wake up at 6 a.m. and drink celery juice. Um, not because I think I'm great, but because I feel great. And we actually have someone on our team who's wonderful, creative genius, and he suffered from a really intense autoimmune disease, um, truly debilitating, and moved into a plant-based diet and competed in an Ironman this year. So, you know, there's this misconception, I think, that your stereotypical vegan is tall and skinny mm -hmm. and eating lentils and sitting in a commune, um, when in actuality, plant-based doesn't mean vegan. It means that's the basis of your diet. It's, it's what you aim for. And you may, as Danny said, you may veer off course every once in a while, but that doesn't mean that you're failing. Um, it's about the intention and how you want to feel. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I really think you hit the nail on the head there. I think I think more people need permission to explore a plant-based diet because, you know, it will help them feel better and it will help them, you know, heal conditions that might be chronic that they might have been dealing with for a long time and to realize that it isn't this doesn't have to be this holier than thou thing that is a very, very strict all or nothing. It can just be like starting to incorporate more and more plants in your diet until they make up the bulk of your diet. And yeah, sometimes 
you might veer off and, and maybe it feels good for you to have permission to do that on, you know, holidays or just occasions or when you're traveling and it, and it feels good to not be so stringent. But when you, when you realize, like you said, that you, if you make the shift towards a predominantly plant-based diet, you just feel better. you you feel like a more energized version of yourself. I, I think it's, there's a lot more freedom in it. And I, and I think that it makes the conversation a little bit more inclusive, um, which is what we need because I, I lived in Southern California for 11 years and there was definitely that air of like, if you were vegan, then you were part of this cool kids club. And if you weren't, then you were kind of like on the outside. Right. Right. I, I think things have changed so much. Um, I've been some, some form of plant-based for almost 10 years. And I remember when I was getting started it was really a major talking point in every conversation. Like, you don't eat meat? Like, what's wrong with you? How do you eat protein? You know, all, all these sort of things. Quite judgy. And then on for those who were vegan, it was really judgy if you veered off course at all. Right. So it was quite like militant and judgy, the whole the whole situation. Yeah. And I, it softened a lot. Yeah. I think eating in general you know, has been, um, in the past has been quite dogmatic. Even the way that we talk about it, we talk about diets. The word diet is, is basically saying, change your way of eating for a given period of time to change the output. And we know now based on data that one of the most requested services is nutritionist. That's new. People are exploring what works for them rather than adopting, you know, what's basically a food religion. Um, and joining that sect of thinking. It's like, why don't you just do what works for you and go for that? Um, if someone wanted to eat all meat and they felt truly great from it, more power to you. Um, I wonder what they'd feel like eating plants, but, you know, what works. Yeah, I do think more and more there is um, kind of more permission for people to just do what works for them and to not have so many questions or judgments about it. I was actually just talking to somebody about that the other day. When I was a teenager and I was in high school, I was diagnosed with um, a gluten sensitivity. And at the same time, my mom was diagnosed with celiac disease. So, and I, I realized when I stopped eating it, um, all these symptoms I had been having like rashes and stomach aches and digestive issues went away. Um, it was really hard for people to understand that because at that time, you know, this was about, this was 14 years ago. Um, it was really new and, and people weren't eating gluten-free. It wasn't trendy and it was, it was hard to find gluten-free options. And I was definitely like kind of outcast for it and would, and would always get a little bit of judgment like, oh, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. Um, whereas now there's so much acceptance around food, um, not just sensitivities, but preferences. You can go to any restaurant and if you just prefer to be gluten-free or dairy-free, um, what, whatever it may be, those options are there for you and people are just like, cool, that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, things are changing so much. I think especially in major markets and major cities around the coast, um, you know, obviously you go to, uh, to places that are newer to these sort of concepts and you may not have as many choices. Um, but That's I think a good point. Yeah. everything, yeah, everything is shifting really quickly. Yes. And that is a good point. I think I, I have to catch myself on my privilege for living in cities like LA and New York that, that do have so much great access. Not everywhere it does for sure. Yeah. Although we're seeing a ton of interest 
uh, from folks around the country outside of these major markets for things like nutrition. Um, so I, I think that there's just a ton of opportunity to spread this sort of gospel of different types of health. That's awesome. I, I mean, I just, I love the work that you guys are doing. So if you, yeah, it's good to feel, feel good about what you do. Um, all right. If you guys could leave people who are new to the conversation about holistic wellness with one key takeaway today, what would that be? One, sorry, let me just reflect that back to you. Uh, one, one takeaway that we might leave for people around holistic health. Yeah, if they if they're maybe new to the conversation about holistic health and and say they go on your platform and they see like all these different providers and practitioners and maybe don't even know where to start. Like what what is something that in the beginning of your health journey you wish you knew that you might leave with them? I guess that there's something for everyone and that if you have any form of curiosity, you can find something that will spark that interest. Um that there are infinite rabbit holes that you can go down uh, to explore information and, and providers. Um, so I would just say stay curious and whatever pops into your head is a, as something that you're curious about. Promise that you can, you can get deep into that and learn a ton and that will lead you to where you need to go. Oh, that's great. I love that. Curiosity is, is a good solution for most things. <laughs> How about you, Gabby? Uh, I'd also add that you don't have to do it alone. Uh, that's a misconception when it comes to health, whether you're getting well, whether you want to get better or you're just trying to be a better version of yourself. We tend to try to self-soothe and self-solve and mm. ultimately, you know, everything we've done in our lives, whether it's learning to tie our shoe or learning to ride a bike or learning to read, we learned from someone. And when you reflect on that, it makes sense to get better together. Um, so you know, lean on a friend, talk to someone, ask questions, come to Kensho, search for what you need, ask us a question directly. We have a team of customer support people who are dying to help you figure out what works for you. Um, as are all of the providers on our platform. They really do want to help. Um, whether or not that, that ends in a working together in a professional capacity, there's support. I love that. Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, so the final question I love to have, ask everybody who comes on the show, um, and this is going to be a little different because you guys have obviously shared so many practices that you, you love already, like meditation and breath work um, and eating a plant-based diet. But I always like to ask, what is one daily wellness habit or practice that you swear by and can't live without, whether it's, you know, drinking celery juice or, um, or you know, your favorite workout, whatever, whatever your, your daily habit practice might be. Do you guys have one of those that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I guess something that I, I didn't mention that's, I can speak for both of us or just myself, is um, spending time with people that you love, whether it's on the phone or in person. Um, it's simple, it's totally free, and it makes you feel more connected and brings meaning into your, into your day in a way that few other activities can. So I just say, like, surround yourself with people that you love. That you can. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah. What about you, Krista? Mm, mine is water. She I also has celery juice in front of her right now. I, and not only do I have <laughs> celery juice, I have, I have 32 ounces of celery juice. That <laughs> that's amazing. But mine is actually like liquids and water. 
I get a lot of a lot of teasing for constantly carrying mason jars in my own mug, but I consume a lot of liquid. Uh, and I notice that the more liquid I consume, the better I feel. And oftentimes when I feel crappy or I'm grumpy, um, I'm dehydrated. So I start the day with to alkalize my body with lemon, warm lemon water, and then I take it from there by adding more liquid. I mean, it's such a great reminder. We can all use more hydration for sure. <laughs> and more connection with our loved ones. Those were both really, really great practices. Oxytocin and hydration in your set. Right, what more do you need? <laughs> uh, awesome, so where can people find more about you guys? Um, either your, your personal um, practices or Kensho, what you guys do, um, where, where can they look you up? Yeah, well you can check out kenshohealth.com, K-E-N-S-H-O health.com. That's our handle on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Uh, Twitter, I think it's Kensho-Health. Um, feel free to follow or engage on Instagram. Mine is Destine with an E, D-A-S-T-E-I-N-E. And mine is K-Berlink, K-B-E-R-L-I-N-C. And yeah, we're very accessible. Um, Happy to receive emails, uh, happy to, to have chats. Um, and yeah, I look forward to engaging with, with some of your listeners. Awesome. We will be sure to link all of those links in the show notes below. So for anybody who's listening, make sure you go and follow both of these guys and Kensho and check out the work that they're doing because it is so important. Everybody can benefit from it, and I'm sure that you will all find a practitioner on their platform that, that resonates with you and that you would love to work with. So thank you both so much for coming on, on the show today. And again, thank you for the work that you're doing and for sharing about it and continue, continuing to spread the good word. Thanks so much, Megan. Really enjoyed this. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, look forward to seeing you again in person. Absolutely, yes. I'll, I'll definitely be getting back out to Los Angeles soon. And for everybody who's listening, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, make sure to subscribe to the Well Then podcast for updates so you can be the first to learn about the latest new episodes when they come out. And until next time, have a happy and healthy day.